Father, we ask for your blessing upon your word. There is so much information you have provided for us about what is ahead of us or what is ahead for the world. We ask, Lord, that you would burn this information into our minds, that we would be able to repeat it to anyone who asks about it or whenever we have an opportunity to share it. I pray that you would help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to recall these things and to explain them not just give them a verse here or there or a concept, but help them with what is going to befall this world of our, this planet. And Father, we thank you for the grace that saves us from the wrath which is to come. And we ask that you would give us wisdom as we continue to live in this world until you come take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week we left off, or two weeks ago, we left off with the Antichrist. That he's a real individual. He is not some figment or some epic individual, figment of our imagination. He is going to be a man. That man's going to show up. He's going to be called the man of lawlessness. I gave you 10 points about him. He sets himself up as Messiah and God. He will perform signs, wonders, and miracles. He will speak against God and he will persecute believers. I believe he will be an atheist in this regard. He will make his own laws. He wants to set certain times and laws. He wants to change them. Uh, whatever they are currently in our society, he's going to make changes on that. He is the rider on the white horse in the book of Revelation. He will cause everyone to receive a mark so that they cannot buy or sell unless they have that mark. He will receive a mortal wound and will seem to be resurrected from the dead. And he will set up an image of himself to be worshipped. And he makes a covenant with Israel. And in the middle of this covenant, three and a half years, or three and a half years into it, he will break the covenant. And that's what takes place as, that is known as the abomination of desolation. And just so you know where it's originally mentioned, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. If you want to turn over there, we'll just read about it where it's mentioned. And what it actually is, we'll give an explanation. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. And here, because the nation of Israel was disobedient, there was set up uh, these number of weeks or uh, areas of seven years each. And that's what it talks about here, that there's going to be a time in which the Messiah shows up and he actually names when the Messiah is going to show up. And 77s are decreed for your people in verse 24 and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. No one understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. The anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens or 49 years and 62 sevens, which works out to 434 years. It will be rebuilt in, with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And after 62 sevens, that would be a total of 483 years, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. And so this is a little confusing in here because he speaks of weeks, but those weeks actually represent years. And all of these years have been fulfilled except for the last seven There's still seven years to be fulfilled, and that's going to be the time of the tribulation period. So it is yet in our future. And he says, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. This is referring to the Antichrist. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. And when it says the the end will come like a flood, and we're going to get into this today, you have the seals, you have the trumpets, And you have the bold judgments, all in the book of Revelation, all that take place in that seven-year period. And when you get with the seven seals, the seventh seal brings in the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets, the seventh one, brings in the bulls. And so it kind of goes along, and then it just kind of escalates really fast. And so the end will come like a flood. If you guys have ever seen a flash flood come, usually the riverbed is dry. It's coming off the mountains and it just starts as a little bit. And you see, you could probably run with the front of the flash flood that's coming, but then pretty soon it's just raging. Trees are coming down and it is just a mess. And that's what the tribulation period is going to be like. It goes on to say, verse 27, 
He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. And so that's what is known as the abomination of desolation. Jesus spoke about this. Now, I just want to review again the timeline of when Jesus began in Matthew chapter 24 and where it's going to end up because Matthew chapter 24 is in the middle of that tribulation period. And so we start with Jesus saying, or he's talking about the temple because he said every stone will be cast down. There will not be one stone left upon another. And that happened in 70 AD. So from 70 AD up until the present time, what's going to happen is there's going to be the rapture. The rapture is going to take place and sometime in the midst of the rapture, before, a little after, we don't know exactly when it's going to take place. You're going to have the Gog Magog invasion that is in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Russia is going to come down. Persia is going to go in. I, I gave you guys that map. I put that map up there of all the countries that are going to be involved. Once that happens, the Antichrist comes along and he makes a treaty. And by the way, I believe at that particular point, Islam is going to be dealt a huge blow. I think they're going to be taken out of the way because this antichrist is going to be coming up now he may use them in some way but i think the the christians are going to be gone in the rapture and then those who are muslims i believe they're going to be taken down because a lot of these countries that go in with russia to take israel they're destroyed and and so the lord deals to them this really big blow especially persia now persia is the one that wants to destroy israel And so once that battle takes place, the Antichrist, which is spoken about here in verse 27, he's going to make a covenant with the nation of Israel. And I believe that's when the tribulation starts. So the time between the rapture, Magog, Gog invasion, and the signing of the treaty, it could be real close. It could be months or even years. We don't know how long it's going to be on earth time. When we go to heaven in the rapture, you know, time is irrelevant up there compared to what's going on on earth and so we don't know exactly how long we'll be there but on earth this is going to be the time frame now once he makes this decree or excuse me once he makes this treaty then three and a half years into it that's when he sets himself up as god after you get that in the three and a half years that's when the great tribulation starts the great tribulation is when the trumpets and the bowls are poured out on the earth and it's going to be a terrible place uh, to exist at that time once that happens jesus comes back zachariah talks about this he's going to set his foot on the mount of olives and he's going to stop this battle that is going on and he is going to set up his rule and reign for a thousand years and the book of isaiah has a lot to talk about this and we probably won't get into that today dealing with the millennium and all the promises that are involved there but once that thousand year reign takes place satan's released for a little while he will deceive all the nations of the earth with gog and magog again russia and he will come against jesus christ with all the armies it's going to be another world war or an attempt at a world war going against Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is going to destroy them. Once that happens, great white throne judgment. Once the great white throne judgment, heaven and earth pass away right before that judgment. Then you have a new heaven and new earth and glory after that. So we have to go through this process before we get to the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, and the glorified bodies that we will all share at that time. Now, there was a period of time in 168 B.C., where this individual known as Antiochus Epiphanes came along, and some people think, some people hold to this abomination of desolation, that he was the guy that did this. This is the preterist view. Preterist view is the book of Revelation has already taken place. None of it is future. God's just going to come back. He's going to set up his rule and reign here, get a new heaven, new earth, and blah, blah, blah. I don't believe that that is the case at all. But this Antiochus Epiphanes... The reason he was called Epiphanes is because it means illustrious one, or it means God manifest. But the Jews hated this guy so much, they called him Antiochus Epimenes, which means mad one. And so they had a nickname for him. The guy was totally mad, and he would kill the Jews, and if they didn't worship Zeus, he would either kill them or sell them into slavery. He was just brutal. He would make them eat 
pork, you know, bacon, that type of thing. He, he would have them violate everything that was in their Judaic tradition. He wanted them to become Hellenists and get away from this Jewish religion. He wanted to just wipe out the religion completely. And he's, he set up this uh, image in the temple. He sacrificed a pig on the altar there, and people think he was the Antichrist. This was the fulfillment. He was only a foreshadowing of the one which is to come. And the reason I don't believe that this guy was the fulfillment is because he doesn't meet the criteria, the 10 criteria that I just gave you for the Antichrist. He, he doesn't fulfill that at all. And so there's no way he could be this individual that is talking about in the book of Daniel. And Jesus refers to the abomination of desolation in a future tense. And so those people are misconstruing, misinterpreting what Scripture has to say. So all the 10 things that I just pointed out about the Antichrist, they didn't apply to Antiochus Epiphanes. And by the way, it also says in Mark chapter 13, verses 19 through 21, it's going to be the worst time ever on this earth. Now, if you go back to Antiochus Epiphanes, things were bad back then, but they had no world wars. We've had two world wars, all the famine and the pestilence that has taken place already, the millions and millions of people that have died. It hasn't even come close to being the worst time. And especially when we get into this next section here, I want to read that to you first. Mark chapter 13, verse 19. It says, because those days will be of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. So that's how bad it's going to get. Everybody on earth would die if God does not shorten this tribulation period. Now we get into the seals, and we get into the trumpets, and we get into the bowls, and how bad this is going to be. Now, I'm, I'm just going to give you the chapters that these things are located in. Revelation chapter 6 deals with the seals. Revelation chapter 8 and 9 deal with the trumpets. And Revelation chapter 16 and 18 deal with the bowls. And when Jesus is talking about the things in Matthew 24, this is the time period he's dealing with. So we want to get context. Well, what is really going on in the world at this time? So we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which are the first four seals. The first one is the rider of the white horse. And he's bent on conquest. This is the Antichrist. He is at the beginning. When that first seal is broken, that's when the Antichrist shows up. And it does go on to describe him, how he has a bow, as I have told you before, but he doesn't have arrows, so he's going to be a political leader. He's going to conquer just by being able to talk. That's how he's going to do it. And people are going to look at him and say, oh, this guy is so great, and even the Jews will think he's the... I was going to say the second coming of Christ, but they didn't even believe in the first coming of Christ, so they will believe in him like he's the Messiah. He's going to be the one. Then there is the red horse, which is the second seal, and he is the one that removes peace from the earth. And so there will be war everywhere. And there are millions and millions of guns and bombs and thousands of planes and ships and this battle is just going to start raging and it's going to continue all the way through the book of revelation so he has power to remove peace from the earth so the first one is the rider on the white horse the antichrist the second one is the rider on the red horse which removes peace from the earth and the black horse he is the one that causes inflation where a loaf of bread will cost a day's wages so when you have wars going on, usually the normal commerce in those countries kind of comes to a halt, which means the agriculture probably is going to take a big hit. Commerce is going to take a big hit. And because of that, things are going to become very expensive. If you guys remember any of your economics classes, if you had them, there is the law of supply and demand. For instance, to give you a modern-day example of this, why do you think the price of gas is so much higher in California than the rest of the country? The supply, they keep the supply down. If you keep the supply down, 
demand goes up and then you're able to raise the price to do that. But if supply goes up, then demand goes down and the price comes down. That's a law of economics. It's called the law of supply and demand. So if you don't have a lot of food, the cost of that food is going to skyrocket. Now, for us, the, the cost of gasoline is all political. They could drill baby drill all the way across the United States. We could have, we already are the biggest producer. We could have so much oil that our gasoline, I remember when gasoline was 26 cents a gallon. 26 cents. And I remember seeing a sign, I was a, a young kid, and we were driving down to the desert to El Centro, and there was a gas station we passed, and it had 26 cents as a kid. I thought, wow, that is just incredible. Even right now, you can go over to Nevada, and it's about a buck cheaper over in Nevada. And it, it's all political. It's all to keep the price of things elevated. Same thing with our energy. Uh, Modern-day example of how these price things work. Uh, I take care of a cu- I think I've told you. I take care of a couple of peaker plants, electricity. And what SDG&E does and PG&E is in order to keep the price up, they don't produce as much energy. Therefore, you're going to pay more for it. And even in the times, you know, these times where we have these brownouts, so to speak, I have talked to the guys that work on these peaker plants, and they said that, you know, we're not even running the peaker plants during that time. We could, but they don't let us. They don't let us run these. And so it's artificially inflated because the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's why it's taken place. And so that just gives you an idea. Well, how could a loaf of bread cost a day's wages? You remove the supply, the price goes up. So that's how it's going to happen. And because of the war, the rider on the white horse, that's going to take place. And then once you have a low food supply, what happens to the population? the population begins to get a little hungry. They get a little hungry, they're not so healthy, and you add to that the supernatural mix, then you have the rider on the pale horse. The rider on the pale horse brings famine, plague, and wild beasts. So those are going to be things that we're going to have to deal with. When I was in school, I can remember this, In seventh grade, I took a summer school class going into uh, what would be known as junior high, not middle school. And there was an individual, his name was Mr. Chapman. And Mr. Chapman wore a white long sleeve shirt every week with a black tie. His pants were slacks and they're always too short. They were like four inches too short. And he wore wingtip shoes. And he looked like he had been in the military. So he was a pretty husky guy. And he intimidated all of the kids that were in there. And if we got out of line, all he had to do was walk over to us and just kind of hover over us. And we, no, don't worry. Me. You know, that type of thing. That's what the teachers did back then. They just kept us in line. And it was the class that we took with him was family life. Now, if you know what family life is, it talks about everything like venereal disease you know how many venereal diseases there were back in seventh grade that they were worried about two syphilis and gonorrhea that was it and there was one that was kind of making its way in there's two i don't even know how many there are now there are so many that are out there now and it's all because of the behavior so the behavior is going to change with the antichrist with the war that comes with the no food the behavior changes from what it was normal well, at least what we see is normal, and it's going to become chaotic, and people are going to be living in such a way where disease is going to come up. And by the way, I don't want to remove the supernatural aspect of this because the Lord brings this rider on the pale horse. It is also supernatural. So we have the reaping and sowing, and we have the supernatural on top of that. People are going to die everywhere. People are going to die. And I've, I've gone through the numbers before about how many people are going to die. It could be up to two-thirds of the population of the world could die. It just depends on how the numbers work out, and I gave you all that example a few weeks ago. And so we have the rider on the white horse, the rider on the well, uh, red horse, the rider on the black horse, and the rider on the pale horse. And some people say, well, it's not pale, it's more of a greenish tint. It doesn't matter, it's just the last horseman of the apocalypse. And then the 
fifth seal that is broken, that is where those who have been killed, they cry out for judgment against those who killed them. These are the believers because the Antichrist is given power over the believers during the tribulation period. And by the way, that's not us because we have been raptured. These are the people that have been left behind that understand what has taken place and they become saved. They understand that Jesus Christ is Lord and because of that, they end up being killed. And of course, I talked about the mark of the beast. We're going to have to, well, not us, but the believers and everyone who exists is going to have to have the mark of the beast in order to buy or sell. And I explained all of that already. And so the souls cry out under the fifth seal, Lord, when are you going to judge this thing? And it just takes patient understanding. The Lord has to work all this out. Then the sixth seal is broken. The sun is darkened. The moon turns red and stars fall from heaven. And it says, like, it's like late figs in a strong wind. Now, fig trees, they produce a couple times a year. And once they get ripe, if you've ever seen a fig tree, you could go up and you could grab the fig tree and you could shake it. And all if it's late in the season, all the figs will just drop. And so if a strong wind comes along, all the figs drop. That is the metaphor that is used for stars falling from heaven. Now, I would think that these stars are meteors, is what they are. Not the big ones that destroy one-third of the grassland, one-third of the water, one-third of the air, but just like meteor showers. And today they say a meteor shower, if you see one a minute, that's a shower. (laughs) When this takes place... You might see hundreds come down. You know, when there are problems in outer space, if something gets hit, like if a satellite gets hit, I know the Chinese have weaponized some things up there and they've destroyed some satellites. Well, it it turns it into thousands of bits up there. And that's floating around the Earth. And sometimes they have to move the International Space Station because of that debris it's flying around up there. Well, imagine God directs meteors from an asteroid that has been banged up that's traveling through our solar system. And it just happens to hit us. And it just rains down. Some people say, well, no, these are angels that are going to fall to heaven or fallen angels. I, I just think that these are meteors. That's what's being explained here. And so the sun's going to be dark and the moon's going to turn red. And for this to happen from our perspective, what has to take place in the atmosphere? There has to be smoke and atmospheric changes and cloudy and foggy and all that mixed together. Have you guys seen pictures of China lately during the day? The smog is so thick there. You don't want to really go out without a respirator. It's it's just a terrible environment. Same thing with India. Well, put all that together. You have the wars. You have the famine. You have the pestilence. You have the... The meteors coming down, you have explosions, it's just going to be a bad place. And therefore, when you look at the sun, it's going to be darkened and the moon's going to turn red when you see it at night and stars are going to fall from heaven. It also says that every mountain and island will be removed from its place. And this is talked about twice in the book of Revelation. So the first time, most of them are removed. And the second time, I think all of them are removed after that. And it also tells us in chapter 7, there will be wind that will cease to blow on the land, on the sea, and on the trees. Now, I don't know if you can imagine what this is going to be like. How strong does an earthquake have to be to remove a mountain? You're not going to be standing... If you're next to the mountain, you're going to be like a BB on a plate of metal. You're just going to be bouncing up and down. If you've ever seen that, or if you you put a a ball bearing on a piece of metal and you shake it, that's what we're going to be like. Not we're, but the people who are left behind. Remember, we're raptured. I just don't want you to think, we're going to go. No, we're not going to go through this. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be eating it up, married supper of the lamb. It's all going to be good. I don't even know that we'll watch what's going on down here because we'll be so enamored with everything that is in heaven. But on earth, islands disappearing, mountains being flattened, the sun darkened, the moon turned red, meteors falling, the wars that are going on. It's not a vacation. 
you are seeking how you can survive. Again, not you, but the people who are left behind. Because all of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so, therefore, you are saved. But those people who refuse to do that, they're the ones that are going to go through the tribulation period. That's why it's so important that we give the gospel out to people. Anyone that you love, if they don't know Christ... If, if this is going to happen pretty quickly, we don't know how quickly. It could be tomorrow that it starts, or it could be a decade away. We don't know. But I'm not going to roll the dice, well, i got a few more years, uh, maybe a few more months, and you're watching the political. Don't even worry about that. Just accept Christ today. So I digress. The wind's not going to blow. Have you ever been like in a desert where there's no wind? There's sometimes I get up early in Lakeside here and I will go out in, there's a couple of places I go to and they have flags and the flags are just hanging down. They're, they're not even moving at all. That's no wind. And I've tried to imagine, well, what if it was kind of hot, no wind, smoky, couldn't breathe, earthquakes, no buildings are going to be standing at that particular point. <laughs> Can you imagine what that's going to be like? And that's, why God paints for us this picture. He wants us to visualize how it is going to be during this tribulation period. And we haven't even gotten to the trumpets yet. This is just the seals. And it gets worse. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, just to give you some encouragement. The church will be before the Lord in heaven. That's where we're going to be. And then when the seventh seal is broken... There is silence in heaven for a half hour. Now, heaven is a loud place. There's praising going on, angels and, and people will be up there, but all of a sudden you'll be able to hear a pin drop. And that's because of the foreboding, the idea of what's coming ahead, the foreshadowing. It is going to be desperate times for the people on the earth. And here we have the trumpets, and these are in Revelation chapter 8. And nine. First, we have with the first trumpet, hail and fire mixed with blood, and one third of the earth, the trees, and all the green grass is destroyed. Have you guys seen some of the hailstorms in Texas? Texas over there? <laughs> I've seen some pictures. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, a racquetball size? And do you think you could run through that and not get hurt? You better be in your, and I've seen the cars, the dents on the cars and the windshields that are broken. And one guy took a video looking at his sliding glass door uh, through the patio covering into the pool. And the pool was just getting hit with these, I call them tennis ball size hail that's coming down. And I've seen some pictures where somebody's holding three of them in their hand. You know, we get hail here, they're the size of peas. Or smaller than that. And we go, oh, look how nice. It looks like snow out here. No, it's going to be devastating when this stuff hits. And so the hail is going to come down and it's going to be mixed with fire. So if there's anything that's alive, and will this be localized or will this be the entire earth? I, I don't know how this is going to work out. It could be moving around the earth, which means... There are going to be huge cumulus nimbus clouds. If you guys have ever been in a storm like uh, in the south or over the mountains, I know we get them over the mountains over here by Idlewild where there is a lightning strike sometimes more than one a second that they're going off. And the clouds have to be big to have large hailstones. And we will get to the point where, uh, as we go through the judgments, a hailstone's going to weigh a hundred pounds that's going to hit the earth. How much wind or how fast does it have to go to create a 100 pound hailstone that goes up and down? And to form these hailstones, I remember this from my earth science, the rain starts falling down. And you get a freezing temperature, and then the convection in the cloud forces the raindrop back up, and it starts to freeze. It, and it goes through the cycle where it freezes and thaws and freezes and thaws, and it keeps on going up and down in a cumulus nimbus cloud. 
Well, the wind has to be hundreds of miles an hour to lift a 100-pound hailstone, and not just one. There's going to be thousands, if not millions, of these hailstones that are going to come down. And so that's going to be mixed with fire and blood. Now, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be blood, like blood from a human body, or it looks like blood, not quite sure. Uh, but it's going to just leave a mess Then the second trumpet, one-third of the sea destroyed. Now, I I go down to the ocean, and uh, I love getting in there. Have you guys ever swallowed a mouthful of seawater? Doesn't it just taste great? I did it once surfing. I came up, and for some reason, I decided to swallow it. I I thought I was going to die. It it was just so bad. But then you get out. We go for... um, these, um, not muscles, we go for scallops. You can go down to the jetty, and in the jetty, if you put your scuba gear on, at night especially, you can see the scallops in the rocks, and you pull those things out, and you, oh, this is going to taste so good. And, and they do, they taste good. But when you open them up, the stench that, and I don't know if you guys know this, the stench of those things, you open up and go, oh, but you got to cut out the scallop that's in there and get rid of the stinky stuff. And it's like this strong ammonia smell. The things that come out of the ocean, they do not smell well. You can't smell them under the water, but they do not smell well when you get them up. Imagine if one-third of the oceans died and everything floated to the top and the stench that is going to be there. You could be 100 miles inland and you'd still be smelling the stench that would be there. And it just terrible, terrible condition. Then the third trumpet, a meteor, and it's called like a huge mountain. It will also destroy one-third of the sea, one-third of the living creatures, and one-third of the ships will be destroyed. So if you can imagine, and it could be the Atlantic, the entire Atlantic destroyed. And if you have something like the size of a mountain hit in the middle of the ocean, the tsunami that it's going to create will be hundreds of feet high. It will capsize boats, big ships. It'll just throw them right on their belly. They'll all be destroyed. And that's all the way around the rim of the Atlantic. If it's the Atlantic, it could be the Pacific that it takes place. And it will go all the way, the tidal wave will go all the way from Antarctica all the way up to the North Pole, all the way, if it's the Atlantic, all the way to the Americas, and all the way over to Africa and to Europe, and it will cover hundreds of miles once that hits. And they've made movies about that, but this is the real thing that's taking place. Then you have the trumpets. And here you have the sun, moon, and stars affected. One-third of the light from these will be darkened. Uh, They will not shine. And then we have the introduction of the woe, woe, woe. So... If you guys are early risers, you kind of know what it is to be in the middle of daylight and nighttime. And you go outside and one-third of the light that normally comes is going to be dim. So it's going to be like a shadowy environment. You mix with that the clouds, the smoke, the hail. You you get in the picture, you put all these things together and go, I do not want to be here. This is not the place to reside. And so you have these three woes that come from the fourth trumpet. And the the fifth woe that comes, this is the, or excuse me, the fifth trumpet that comes is the first woe. And I'd like to read you the first woe. And there's three of these that come. This is in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. We're just going to read through what this first woe is. Revelation 9, verses 1 through 11. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Now, this would be an angelic being. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke of a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those 
people who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. By the way, those who belong to God, the 144,000, they have a seal of some kind on their forehead. God places there. And these demonic creatures are not allowed to touch them at all. But everyone else, they are allowed to touch. It says in verse 5, They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when, a man, when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. So if somebody wants to commit suicide, their spirit will not leave their body. It will remain there. Even if the, apparently the heart is not pumping, they're going to remain in the dead. But this is where you could have real zombies. You know, you get the zombie thing going. This is where you could try to die and you won't be able to die. What a terrible existence. And on top of everything that's going on around you, to not be able to die. And yet, you know, when it, it gets, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. After all this, people still would not repent. They still would not say, God is God, and he is the Savior, and he is righteous. They will clench their teeth and shake their fists at God at this point. Going on, it says, during those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle, which means there's millions of them. They had tails and stings like scorpions and their tails had power to torment people five months and they had as their king over them the angel of the abyss whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in the Greek Apollyon. Now, I want to try to give you a picture of this. By the way, some people used to say, you know what these are? Apache helicopters. These are not Apache helicopters. They come out of the pit, but people wrote books about this stuff, and it's just ridiculous. Do you guys remember an individual by the name of Rod Serling? Twilight Zone, right? And there is a real popular Twilight Zone episode. Now, the first one had William Shatner in it, where he's on a plane, and he's looking out the window, remember? And, and you have this real furry guy with, some, you know, whatever his teeth are, and he's trying to rip out the plane wing and all that. That's not the one I want you to think about. I want you to think about the remake with John Lithgow. John Lithgow did the same one, but the, the demon that was out there kind of looked like this. Had the teeth, hair like woman, and ripping out just you know, just ripping things off. And there were a few more things that are missing on that creature, but they did a great job. Now you're going to go home and YouTube, John Lithgow, Twilight Zone, you're going to look at this creature that's on there. And it's kind of like that. But it, And if you ever read the books, um, This Present Darkness uh, by Frank Peretti, he describes, you open up the book, and the, the first, I think it's the first chapter in the book, what happens is there's this church meeting, a small church, people are on the inside, and you have the doors to the church, and it talks about this smoke, and then you recognize this creature that is not touching the ground, that is moving towards the door of the church, and it has these yellow orbs for eyes with little dots on the inside, and the skin is kind of scaly, and the fingernails are like long talons, and the feet, the, the toenails, same thing, long talons, and it's hissing sulfurous breath, and it's moving towards the doors of the church. And that's the demon that is described. If you read this present darkness and piercing the darkness, it's a great series. I wish that you know, Spielberg would get a hold of it and make a movie out of it. But that's how it starts. And then this angel of light comes down and boom, it hits this demon. And this demon is thrown back. It's just a great description of these demons. And if you read about this demon and you try to meditate, what's this demon going to be like? 
terrible again. I mean, what is good about this information we're getting here for the people who are going to be on earth? It is absolutely horrendous, the things that are going to take place. And remember, this is for five months, and Satan is the one who is over them and controls where they go. Now also, the sixth angel, this is the second woe. He is released from the river Euphrates. And so we know where this is located in the Middle East there. Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. It says, The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. So there's going to be these angelic or not angelic, but these demonic beings that are over there right now. Now, you wonder why there's problems in the Middle East. These, these guys are over there. Now, we can't see them. It's spiritual in nature, but they're going to be released, and one-third of the population of the earth is going to be killed. Now, how they are going to kill them? I don't know. I don't know if they're just going to drop dead or you're going to be able to see them. I, I have no idea if it's pestilence or they're just going to take their breath away. We have no idea how this is going to happen, but a third of the earth is going to die, which is going to translate to billions of people. It's probably just like the plague of the Old Testament. And then we have the third woe or the seventh trumpet, Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake with a great hailstorm. Now, those remember the Old Testament where Moses turned to Jesus, I believe it was a Christophany, said, Show me your glory. You remember what Jesus responded to him and said? He goes, Nobody can see my glory and live. Now, what if the people on the earth got a glimpse into heaven? Because it says heaven is opened up there. Would it be a fearful sight? Would you want to look at it? It would probably be the most fearful thing. You'd probably take the demons over the righteousness of God, especially if you're cursing God and shaking your fist at him. That would be the ultimate. And for somebody in their human condition to even be exposed to that, you would think that they would probably just die right away. But that's what takes place. That is considered a woe to look into the, the place where God dwells into heaven. It's fearful to see that open. Now we have the bowls. Ten minutes on the bowls, maybe we can get through them. <clears throat> so just to review, we have the seven seals. The seventh seal ushers in the trumpets the seventh trumpet ushers in the bowls or in the king james they're called vials so bowls or vials we have in revelation chapter 16 the first bowl it says the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped his image if there wasn't enough already if you recall the book of Job, Job was suffering under the torment of Satan and his whole body broke out in boils, in, in sores. And he reached for a potsherd, a broken piece of pottery, to scrape. I don't want to be too graphic, but I want you to get the idea that these are filled with probably their pustules. And he's scraping his skin and when God says people are going to be struck with boils, I'm sure they don't have one. I'm sure it's the bottom of the feet to the top of the head everywhere. And these are the people who took the mark, who are not saved. This is the torment they're going to receive while they're still alive here on earth. Not to mention what awaits them in the punishment in hell. Then the second bowl, Revelation chapter 16 verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned into blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Well, we already know there was a mountain that 
fell into the sea. And now we have blood being poured into the sea. I don't know if this is the same sea or if it's a different sea. The seas are ruined at this particular point. You're going to want to stay as far away from them as you can. And then the third bowl, and by the way, this is in like the last year and a half of the tribulation. It's just coming boom, 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 boom. It's not letting up at all. When you think that you're going to get some relief, there is no relief. Revelation chapter 16, verse 4. It said, a third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. If you go to Israel, there's a couple places in Israel. I think there's three origins of the Jordan River. One is uh, the city of Dan. There's water comes out of the ground up there. The other is Caesarea Philippi. Uh, The water comes out of the ground. They've calculated 4,000 gallons. I want to say a second is coming out of that particular well. And, And they've made it into this nice wonderful you were there kim right it's really kind of a nice area where the water's flowing and it's kind of peaceful and you hear the bubbling brooks and and especially up at uh, dan if you go up to the one there the water's kind of raging coming out of there and it just comes right out of the ground they think it comes all the way from mount Hermon. the the snow melts uh to the north and it goes into the ground and it bubbles up in israel and it starts flowing and it becomes the jordan river If you have 4,000 gallons a second coming out and all of a sudden it's like blood, there goes your crystal clear stream. It is no longer going to be something you're going to want to be around. And apparently up to this time, God has shown his mercy and he's allowed people to have this water. Well, people are going to be dying of thirst if all the springs and all the rivers are contaminated. And if you have your little REI water purifier, it's not going to work it's going to get clogged and that's going to be the end of it or how whole house water system your house is not going to be not your house even though i say your house you understand what i mean it's the human race it's not the church and so it says that they will become like blood then i heard the angel in charge of the water saying you are just in these judgments you who are and were the Holy One, because you have judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And by the way, those who have received the mark of the beast, they will turn in those who are Christians to be killed and maybe family members. Verse 7 says, And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And so these are an act of God's justice taking place for those who have been killed. Then the fourth bowl is poured out on the earth. Revelation chapter 16 verse 8 says, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God and had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify God. With these electric grids that we have, you know, they're, they're really concerned about solar flares disrupting the grid. You're going to be concerned about the radiation, not you, again. It's those who are here are going to be concerned about the radiation. It will scorch them. And even if they get under the rocks and in the caves, if you get that radiation coming from the sun, you're not going to be hidden from it unless you're far underground. And even then... You're going to have power to run the generators for the lights down there? I, you know, it's, it's a terrible existence. So they'll break out on source. You'll look at somebody's face. It would be all red. It'd be peely. It'd be scarred. And, and if they went through and they got stung by scorpions, I mean, what a horrible existence this is going to be going on. I have three and a half minutes. The fifth one, Revelation chapter 16, verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of the pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. And so that's where they they basically curse God and they want nothing to do with God. Then the sixth bowl, Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates and the water was dried up. To prepare the way for the kings of the east, then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And they are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out 
to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. And, and so with all the natural disasters or supernatural disasters that are taking place, now battle is coming, war is coming, bombs and destruction. The seventh bowl, Revelation chapter 16, verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and severe earthquake. No earthquake like it had ever or has ever occurred since man has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. The cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of fury of the wrath of God. Every island fled away and mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a 100 pounds each fell upon men. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plagues were so terrible. So much more I could say, but I'm out of time. We'll kind of wrap this up next week. But the, the point of all of this is, God has told us in detail what is going to take place in the future. And, and when you read the, the whole of Scripture, because of these things, it asks us, what type of people are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be people who are called by God to deliver this message, to live holy and pure lives. Now, we're blow-its, but we got the grace of God. And we just turn to the grace of God and say, God, forgive me. Help me to be your witness here because these terrible things are coming. And we want to make sure that our loved ones, the next generation, you know, I think about my grandson who was just born. And whether it's him or whether it's the next generation after him or two generations after him, there's going to be some of my family that is going to be faced with this and hopefully they're all saved and they go in the rapture. But the chances of that are slim, especially if you have five grandchildren and they have children and they have children. So we need to be praying that people understand this message. May God bless you with wisdom when and where to share this and may he fill your mouth full of the words that are necessary to bring people into the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word. We ask for, as I just said, wisdom, that we might know how to live in these perilous times that are ahead. And Lord, we thank you for the grace given to us, the salvation, the rapture that is in our future. We long to see you, Lord, and we thank you also for your justice. You will bring all of the wickedness in this world to an end. And we give you glory for that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said...